Hello, church fam and our friends from all around the world joining us today on this beautiful Easter Sunday. It is my privilege to share with you a message about the resurrection of Jesus Christ on this unprecedented Easter Sunday. Now, I know all of us are huddled in our homes today, but did you know that 2,000 years ago, it was the same? Easter Sunday, the very first Easter Sunday when Jesus rose from the dead, his disciples and his followers were all huddled together in homes. And I would say this is the first time in 2,000 years that his disciples, that his followers are doing the exact same thing. And even though we feel like we're like three or four people in our homes, but guess what? We're one of 2.4 billion followers of Jesus Christ celebrating Easter this very day. So we're so glad that we can celebrate with you as you join us today in this celebration. You know what? Even though a lot of our physical services have been canceled, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ has not been canceled. You know, Satan tried to cancel out on Jesus 2,000 years ago, but guess what? Jesus could not be contained. He broke out of the grave and he broke out of the tomb. And I know many of us feel like we're in a lockdown situation, but you know what? The gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ cannot be locked in or shut down. So today on this very very unprecedented and historical Easter Sunday. We're here to celebrate the resurrection of our Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today we have a message called Turn It Around. And we're gonna talk about how God turned the impossible situations into possible situations. How God would turn something that seems so dead and dark and impossible into something that is glorious for His testimony and for His power, as for a show of His love and mercy and loving kindness to us. So let's turn it to the Word of God. Luke chapter 24, verses one to 10. I'll quickly read it out for us as you look on your screens. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Now these spices are something that you would normally prepare to honor and to pay respects to a dead person. So they found that the, stu the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they couldn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. Now this is Luke's way of describing angels. So these two men were angels. And the women were terrified and they bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, the angels asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here, he is risen from the dead, hallelujah. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man, the Son of Man is how Jesus describes himself, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he will rise again on the third day. And then they remembered that he had said this. The women remembered that. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened and it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who had told the apostles what had happened. In 2016, I finally had the chance to visit Israel. Now I've waited my whole lifetime literally to visit Israel because I'm a good Christian and I wanna see what it's like living in the times and the places of Jesus. So I paid a lot of money to go to Israel. And I remember being so psyched up as I prepared my trips. I can't wait to be there in Israel where uh, I can step 
and follow the footsteps of Jesus where I can eat what Jesus eats and that is hummus and falafels. Mm. And I can breathe in the holy air of the holy land and I can touch the things that Jesus touched. I can smell the things that Jesus smelled. And I felt, man, this was such a great trip. I can't wait to be there. And then day after day, I would see and go and visit the places where Jesus was or even back in the Old Testament. And I remember a few days, maybe like a week into the trip, they told us, you're gonna visit a very sacred site tomorrow. And that's called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And that's the place where most theologians and scholars and historians now believe that is where Jesus' tomb was, where Jesus rose from the grave. And that's called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And I know what's happening right now. All of you on your phones now are probably opening another tab and searching for sepulchre. And on ordinary, on any other ordinary given Sunday, if you're seated right in front of me, I would say, hold your horses. But because of our situation right now, I say, yes, go and check it out. So here's how you spell sepulchre. I'll do you a favor. S-E-P-U-L-C-H-R-E, sepulchre. Now, if you Google that really quickly, you might see a Wikipedia link, and you can go in there, you can check out the pictures, you can read the, his, read the history. It's legit, it's really, really interesting. So I was so psyched up when I read about all this information, and I remember going to that church with my friends and my professors on that day. Big door, double, double doors, it opened up, and then we went in, and there were like maybe hundreds or thousands of people inside already. And once you get in there, you are assaulted, you're assaulted by many different senses. Like, oh man, there'll be smells of incense, there'll be smells of sweaty people, there'll be smells of uh, stones and tombs and, and dust. And then you can see lights and candles everywhere. You see people in different kinds of robes because the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is holy to a lot of different religions. Roman Catholics, Greek Orthodox, Ethiopians, Coptics, uh, uh, many, many different kinds of religions because for all these people, people who believe in Jesus, that's their number one sacred site. So what happened was I lined up together with a few hundred people and I started lining up at the door. And there was this whole line that, that went around and I don't know where it was, but I was lining up to see the tomb of Jesus. So I waited, look at my, look at my watch. I was talking to my friends. 10 minutes later, maybe took like 10 steps into the church. And then I was talking to my friends, like, man, this is, this is, this is taking a long time. 30 minutes, I was probably like 50 meters up now and I was still a long way to go. It took me a total of 90 minutes to finally get to the front of the tomb. I mean, if Disneyland was not worth 90 minutes, I don't think, I don't know if this was worth 90 minutes. I was just frustrated and sweaty, but at the same time, I was, I was looking at the tomb right in front of me. I said, this is what I've waited to see for so long. And finally, it was my turn. Walked to the front of the line and uh, the, the, the priest at the front of the, the tomb said, okay, your turn, your turn. And so I, I took a few steps and the, 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 the entrance to the tomb was maybe about like this big. So you have to go really low. Just like the women, they had to bend down in order to get in there. So I bent down and I looked in there and there was this little space that was maybe one meter by two meters, that tiny. And I had to kneel in there and right next to me was this very gray, cold, ordinary stone slab. I mean, I waited 90 minutes to see a piece of stone. I looked around myself, I was like, this is utterly, completely ordinary and underwhelming. All, 
and that, that I had anticipated came up to this moment where I was next to a stone slab. And then it hit me like a train. That Jesus, that God chose to enter into an ordinary, underwhelming, gray tomb. That he, this tomb, in fact, looked a lot less interesting and beautiful than many other tombs that I have seen up to this day in Israel. And yet, God chose that tomb to showcase His power, His love, His mercy, His grace, and His ability to overcome every single obstacle, even death itself. God could turn a tomb into a testimony of His power. And that's the first thing I want to talk about today, that God can turn a tomb into a testimony. You see, every Easter Sunday story that you read in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all begin, that historic day all begins at a tomb. It all began in that little gray, completely underwhelming tomb. And our story in Luke 24 begins like this, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. They saw the stone had been rolled away and they bent down and they entered it, but they couldn't find the body of Jesus. And it's remarkable, when I went to Israel, and it hit me so hard that God could turn a dead, dark tomb to become the turning point in human history. That He could turn it into the incubator of His greatest miracle. That He could turn it into the epicenter of His greatest victory. That He could turn it into the defining moment of His greatest comeback. A tomb turned into a testimony of God's power. And it still begs the question of, why? Why a tomb? Why would the God who created the heavens and the earth by the might of His power, who sits on His heavenly throne, subject Himself to an icky, mucky, ordinary, underwhelming human tomb? Now this is the God whose, whose beauty and splendor is written in the highest mountains. His glory is, is written all over creation, the deepest valleys, the seas, the, the skies, the, the heavens and the earth, the, the stars, the moons, the sun, everything beautiful comes from this living God. But He would leave, gladly leave His heavenly throne in order to be put into a humanly tomb. Why? Why would He do that? And it's because God is not a faraway God, but a God who wants to be near us. So near to us that He wants to be right in the places where, where we are most frail, that we are most unable, that we are most overwhelmed. That's who God is. He chose to be with us. You see, He proved by going to the tomb that there is nowhere that He won't go to find us and there's no thing He can't do to save us. And that's who our God is. You see, He chose to give up His heavenly glory for us. He chose to walk on this earth for us. He chose to die on the cross for us. And He chose to be put into a dark tomb for us. He chose because He's not a faraway God, but a God who is near. So if today you feel that you are in a deep, dark, 
lonely place. If today you feel that you're in a place where no one knows, no one understands, that you are imprisoned in the tomb of your own circumstances, that you are entombed in your own mind and you can't break out, guess what? God was there first. He wants to be near you. He wants to be close to you. That's why he chose to be in a tomb. But you know what? It's not the end of the story because God didn't stay in that tomb. Easter Sunday tells us that God broke out. The greatest prison break story ever began in the tomb. He had the power to overcome death, suffering itself. And the Bible says that if we are weak, He is with us. Do you feel fearful and full of worry? Do you feel hopeless, even helpless? The Bible says that God's light shines greatest and brightest in the darkness, that His power is most evident when we are powerless. In First Thessalonians, not First Thessalonians, sorry, Second Corinthians 12, 9, it says this, God says this, that my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness is sufficient for you. My mercy is more than enough for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Hallelujah. And Easter Sunday proves that his haters couldn't shut him up. Satan couldn't shut him down. That our sins couldn't shut him out. And the tomb couldn't shut him in. If Jesus could be the one who could break free from all these things, he can do it for us. If we would come to him and say, God, I trust that you are near me. Would you come and work in my circumstances? I know I'm not alone. I know you're here with me. And I know that you are able to break me out of this. He will do it for us. You see, if he can turn a tomb into a testimony, he can turn your mess into a message. He can turn your, your, your panic into peace. He can turn your pain into gain. He can turn your problems into promises. He can turn your worries into worship. He can turn your impossibilities to possibilities because if God can turn a tomb into a testimony, he can surely do it for you. He can turn it around for you, friends, if you will believe that He was there in the tomb and He is now still here with you. And this is our God. And Easter Sunday reminds us of that. That God is a powerful God and He is always with us. And the second thing about this story is this. God can turn terrified people into testifying people. The Bible says in verses four and five, as soon as they stood there puzzled, this is the women, as they stood there puzzled and confused, two men suddenly appeared to them, two angels appeared to them, and then the women were terrified and bowed down with their faces to the ground. They were puzzled, they were confused, and they were terrified. Why? Why were they terrified and puzzled? Now imagine this with me, right? A group of women, very excited to see Jesus, and they have prepared for the whole weekend spices. In our version today is reefs and flowers to pay respects and honor to the dead. So they have prepared the whole weekend, and they were ready and waiting for this Sunday morning where they can visit Jesus in his tomb. And so they were, a group of women, no men, just women. Then what do women do when they come together? They fellowship, right? They share, and what do they share? They share their uh, feelings, 
they share their experience, and sometimes, maybe most of the time, they also share their opinions. Can you, rem- can you imagine what happened when they saw the tomb of Jesus and Jesus wasn't in there? And they were confused because they saw that the body of Jesus had been put into that tomb just two days ago, but he wasn't there. And so they were confused. And when they saw the angels, they were terrified, confused and terrified. Why were the women terrified and confused? The Bible gives us two reasons why that would be so. The first reason is this. The women were looking in the wrong place. You see, Jesus had already promised that he was gonna rise again on the third day. He said, I am gonna rise again on the third day, which means if you were to be looking for Jesus in the right place, where would you be on the third day? You will probably be in his old home, maybe. Or you could probably in his hometown, be in his hometown. Or you could frequent the places where Jesus will frequent. Maybe the temple courts, maybe the disciples' homes, maybe the marketplace, maybe the cafe where Jesus hang out. You will be there, but of all places, the women found themselves at a tomb when Jesus had told them on the third day, I'm gonna be raised again. And that's why the angel told them, women, women, you are looking in the wrong place. You were searching in the wrong place. I remember when I first came to Perth, a lot of well-meaning aunties came up to us and say, this is how you can get the best deal. And I got myself a car and I was planning how to get around to the different places, but one of the things I needed to learn was where to pump my patrol. And so the, women, women, the, the aunties told me, now if you get a receipt from a supermarket and you get the right receipt, you get a four cents discount per liter. And you can use this app to find out where are the best and cheapest prices in the area around you. (coughs) And you should pump your gas on Monday, which is the cheapest day of the week. And so I've been doing that over many weeks in my time in Perth. And there came this one particular week where I look at the app and said, oh man, the cheapest prices (coughs) are actually in a different kiosk. Now how am I gonna get there? And what do I need? So I did my research and I I got myself the receipt, I got myself a rewards card, I got myself my credit card, and I went to find my way to the kiosk. And so on that day, I remember I was feeling so gung-ho about myself, man, I'm gonna be a good steward of the money that God has given me today. I'm gonna save four cents a liter. Oh, let's do this. So I got into my car, drove down to the new place, found it, okay. Right there, good. So I came out of my car, and I took the yellow color, unleaded 91, and I put it into my car, and I just pulled on it like a good man. And the first sound came out. I was like, okay, good. Let's, th- this is such a good price, so let me see if I can get the best bang for buck. So I squeezed a little bit more, and it went, duck, duck. Okay, that's where you know it's over. Okay, good, good, good. Now, every single drop counts, every single drop counts, because I'm a good steward of God's money. Okay. <clears throat> Let's put it back into the kiosk. And so I went to the counter where the guy was inside and I proudly laid out my goods. So I brought all the right stuff. Now I got my receipt, I got my uh, reward card, I got my um, credit card. Uh, I don't need my Google Maps, so I can keep that. And I looked at him, I was like, hey mate, how are you? And he looked at all my stuff, he looked through it and then he looked at me and he said, sorry mate. What? Sorry mate, you're coming to the wrong place. So what, what do you mean? It, it, that's, that's Caltex right there, and, and, and I have uh, the receipt. And he looked at me, sorry mate, we're, we're, we're Caltex, but we're not that Caltex. You, you, you came to the wrong place. And my face sunk, 
and my jaw dropped and my eyes were slowly gonna tear up and, and I was gonna cry. And, and I said, no, 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 it can't be. He said, you brought all the right stuff but you came to the wrong place. Sorry, mate. And I learned that day, <laughs> the point of the story is this, you can have all the right things prepared but if you end up at the wrong place, you're still not gonna get what you want. These women, they went to the tomb with the right questions, where, where is Jesus, where do we found him? You can bring all the right questions and for us, the question might be, how do I find happiness? How do I find joy? How do I find peace? How do I find a love that, that is unconditional, that accepts me for who I am? How, how, how do I find purpose in my life? How do I find significance? How do I live a life that changes this world and, and, and makes a difference? All these are great questions. I would say they are the right questions. But the problem is when you bring the right questions to the wrong places, you will still end up with the wrong answers. And these answers will only bring you more unhappiness, more anxiety, more confusion, and more fear. And that's what happened to the women. They brought the right questions, they brought the right stuff, but they went up to the wrong place. And they were fearful, and they were puzzled, and they were confused. One of the things that our senior pastor Benny has been teaching us is crisis brings clarity. And one of the things that crisis do for us is to shed clarity on where we have misplaced our security. Crisis shed clarity on our misplaced security. So things that we were used to, things that we had taken for granted, things that we had depended on, have now completely fallen apart. It's almost like life has fallen apart for a lot of us. Our jobs, our securities, our investments, our homes, even the food that we wanna have, the places we wanna go to, the holidays we've all planned, it has all come to nothing. And maybe one of the things that this crisis has taught us is that maybe those things were not worth our, our time. Maybe those things are not where we should hinge our security on. Now, if not those things, if we can't find our answers from those things, then where can we find our security? Where can we find answers that will truly answer every single doubt that we have and that will be unchanging and eternal? And here's, here's where we can find something that can truly last. Is in this word, the Bible, God's words. You see, Jesus, a few days before he was crucified, a few days before he died, in Luke 21, verse 33, he said this, heaven and earth will pass away. Big things, man, I mean heaven and earth will pass away. The day where heaven and earth passes away, is, it's, it's gonna be like the end of everything. Even then, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. What that means is, the Word of God is powerful and unchanging. Why? Because the God of the Word is powerful and unchanging. And if there's something you wanna put your security on, that's the Word of God. That's the thing that you wanna hinge your heart, your life on. But even if we were to know this, even if we were to be convinced of this, there's still one problem. We are forgetful. And that's the second thing that happened to the women. That's the second reason why the women were terrified and puzzled. It's because the women forgot God's words and promises. You see, Jesus had told them exactly what had happened. That's why the angel reminded them. So Jesus had told them twice. It was so nice, he said it twice. It was so nice, he said it twice. In Luke 
9, 22, he said this, almost exact words, that the Son of Man is going to be betrayed, he's going to be crucified, and that he's going to rise again on the third day. And in Luke 18, 32 to 33, he said the same thing. He's, he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be crucified, he's going to be raised again. But on the third day where Jesus died, when the time came to remember the women forgot, and I don't blame the women, I mean, I forget too. My wife tells me something and in a few minutes, I'm like, what? We forget, and sometimes, maybe because, sometimes we, we feel confused about the present and fearful about the future because we too have forgotten God's words and promises. And maybe that's what happened, but that's certainly what happened with the women. But how did, the, how did God turn it around for them? How did God make them to become so, people who are so brave that instead of staying terrified, they steadily testified? Instead of staying terrified, they steadily testified. How did God turn it around for them? You know, in verse 9 to 10 of Luke 24, the Bible says that they ran from the tombs to tell the 11 disciples about what they had seen, about what they had heard, about what had happened. In other words, they were the first people to witness to the risen Christ. They were the first people to tell the good news of Jesus Christ on this planet in human history. They were the OG, they were the original. Even before the 11 disciples, the, the apostles started telling people about Jesus, they were the first ones that told these disciples about the risen Christ. How did God turn them from terrified to testified? It's this, it's, in, it's found in verse six to eight. When they remembered God's words. You see what happened was, the angel reminded them, hey remember, what he had told you in Galilee? He said this already, he told you this, that he was gonna be betrayed into the hands of sinful people. He was gonna be crucified, and he will be raised again on the third day. And in verse eight, the Bible says, and then they remembered what he had said. Then they remembered his words in the NIV, that's what it says. When, the, when they remember God's word, is when God turned it around for them. So today, how do we move from being terrified to testifying? How do we move from being puzzled to living a life of purpose? How do we move from being stressed to blessed? It is the same thing. When we remember God's promises, God can turn it around for us. And what's the best way to remember God's promises? It's by looking into the Word of God. It's by looking into this book, the Bible. That's how we remember God's promises. Did you know that the Bible has more than 7,000 promises in there? You know, it's kind of like insurance. <laughs> I remember when our family first moved to Perth, we bought medical insurance because that's what's required for us to be here. And it wasn't about two months after we got the insurance that we finally needed to use the insurance. So my son got a very high fever in the middle of the night and we were very worried. So we needed to send him into the doctors the day after. We were stressed, we were worried, we were anxious, we were fearful. Not just because of our son being sick. I mean, that's something that every, any parent will be worried sick about. But on top of that, we had to worry about how do these medical insurance things work? <laughs> how, how does the doctor, the clinic, the appointments work? We have no idea. We've had the medical insurance for two months, but we have no idea what it covers. We have no idea if we, if we needed to pay, if we needed to bring a card, if we needed to show our visa. We had no idea because all this time we had the medical insurance, we had no idea what it covered. And I would say it's the same for the Bible. 
I would say is the same for God's promises. We have all these amazing promises in the Word of God, but until we open it up and look into it and read it for ourselves, we will never fully understand what it covers. No wonder we're living in fear. No wonder we're living in hopelessness. No wonder we're living in confusion and anxiety. It's because we know it's there, but we forget. We can't remember. We don't know what's covered. It's not in our minds to remember. So, what do we do today, brothers and sisters, friends? There are about 7,000 of them. I, if I go through every single one of them, I think you'll be watching this live stream for 24 hours. Now, I don't mind. I don't know about you. But for today, it's Easter Sunday. And so, with the time that we have, let's quickly go through two of the promises. Two simple promises that God has given to us and is applicable and is demonstrated through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first promise is this. John 16, 33 says this. Jesus said this. I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. You may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Let's take a pause there, friends. Isn't that true today? Isn't the world in deep, deep trouble? The fact that you're watching me through a screen and not in the chairs tells us something is very wrong. It's not just you, it's not just me, it's the whole world. Right now, the whole world is in trouble. Finance, economics, medical, emotional, mental, physical, everything in this world is falling apart. But God says, Jesus says, yes, 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 in this world you will have trouble. In the world you will have trouble. But in me you will have peace. The world you will have trouble. In me you will have peace. Which would you rather have, friends, today? Jesus says, in me you will have peace. And he goes on to say, but take heart. In other words, don't lose heart. Don't be disheartened. In another version, it says, but be of good cheer. You can be happy. You can be cheerful, even in the midst of trouble all around you in this world. Why? Because in me, you will have peace. And because of this, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the grave. I have overcome that, that, that musky humanly tomb. I have overcome. I have been put in there, but I have broken free. I have overcome sin. I have overcome death. I have overcome fear and anxiety and anguish and confusion and loneliness and abandonment. And I know how it feels like, but I have overcome the world. And that's why you can take heart. That's why you don't lose heart because you know that I have overcome the world and I've shown you and I've proven it on Easter Sunday. And that's why you can have peace in me. That's the first promise that I will raise today. And the second promise is this. John 11, 25 to 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. In other words, if you believe in me, you will live. Death is not the end of you. Death does not have the last word on you. The grave does not hold you. The tomb cannot contain you because you are gonna be alive. The Bible says this, Jesus says this, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. 
Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. In other words, that same power that overcome the grave, the same life that broke him out of the tomb is the same life that lives in us for those of us who believe in Jesus. It means that when it lives in us, we will never, ever die. Death is not the end of us. We will continue to live forevermore. Death is but a break. It's like a, a, a 10 minute tea time break and the, the, it continues forevermore with Jesus in heaven. Everyone who believes in me and lives in me will never ever die. These are the two greatest promises that I want to raise to us today on Easter Sunday. So now that we know that God can turn a tomb into a testimony, now that we know that God can turn terrified people into testifying people, how do we respond to that? And that's the third point for today. How do we respond to that? I can turn my thoughts to thanksgiving. I can turn my thoughts to thanksgiving. When we belong to the resurrected Christ, the resurrected Christ's life lives in us, and we become the resurrection people of Jesus Christ. What that means is that we are receiving the same life that He received, that broke Him out of the tomb, the life that is forevermore, it lives in us. The victory that He had, that broke Him out of that tomb, that victory belongs to us. And that's why we can have hope in the midst of hopelessness. That's why we can have peace in the midst of panic. That's why we, we can have joy in the midst of gloom and doom. And that's why we can have faith in the midst of fear. Here's one thing about faith that I've learned, friends, and I want to share it with you. Being faithful, that is full of faith. Being faithful doesn't make us fearless, but fearless. Being faithful doesn't make us fearless, but fearless. You see, God doesn't expect that we are fearless. The Bible actually never says so. He says, don't be afraid in the midst of troubles, but He doesn't say, be fearless. But what He does say is to be strong, be bold and courageous. Why? Because I am with you. Be bold, be strong and courageous, even in the midst of troubles, for I am with you. And He says it more than 30 times. So what that means is, God doesn't expect us to be fearless, but He expects us to have faith that He is with us, that He's right there with us. So friends, if you are feeling fearful and anxious and confused, if you feel fear creeping up in your heart, I just want to let you know, it's okay to feel fear. Don't feel guilty about it. Don't try to brush it off. Don't try to suppress it. Don't try to tell people a, a lie about it, like, no, I'm okay. If you feel fearful, if you have fear in your life, I encourage you to have faith, to grow your faith, because that's what God wants for us. He wants us to have faith in the midst of fear. And I would say this, fueling our faith is the remedy to feeling afraid. Fueling our faith is the remedy to feeling afraid. And how do we fuel our faith? One way to do this is by giving thanks. By thanksgiving, by being gra grateful for the stuff that we have, by thanking God for what He's done for us. Did you know that psychological research actually shows, and it advocates this, that thanksgiving is a way to deal with fear, anxiety, panic disorders, and mental health issues. Psychologists actually use thanksgiving and advocates for thanksgiving as a remedy for all these things. But you know what? It didn't start from them. 
It started from Jesus. It started from God. It started from the Word of God itself. 2,000 years ago, more than 2,000 years ago, God's Word has already told us that thanksgiving is something that we do as people of God. It will keep us secure and joyful. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. The Bible says this, always be joyful. You can always be joyful. You can always be full of joy, God says. Never stop praying, never stop talking to me. Because you know that every time when you talk, you're not talking to the wall. Even if it sounds like nobody's listening, I am listening, I am tuning in. Never stop praying, child, because I wanna hear everything that you have to say. I wanna hear your fears, your anxieties, your confusion, your worries. I'm gonna take it all in. Never stop praying. That's what God promises. And then it says this, be thankful in all circumstances. Now I know that the Bible doesn't say, Jesus, God doesn't say, be thankful for all circumstances. You know why? Because not all circumstances are, th are worth thanking God for. COVID-19 is not worth thanking God for. Suffering is not worth thank thanking God for. Fear, anxiety, confusion, loss of jobs, economic crisis is not something that we give thanks for. The rise of domestic violence and abuse is not something we give thanks for. Mental isolation and, 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 and the rise in mental health issues is not something that we give thanks for. But God says this, in the midst of all these circumstances, you can be thankful in them. Why? Because this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus. When you belong to Jesus, you will find that even in the midst of all these icky, mucky, dark circumstances that you can find yourself thankful. Why? Because you belong to God. Because you know who you belong to. It's not who you are that matters so much, but whose you are that matters more. And that's why as people of God, people who belong to Jesus, we can always be joyful. We never stop talking to our God and we can be thankful in all circumstances even in the here and right now. So friends, what can we be thankful for on this day, on Easter Sunday? I wanna raise three simple things, and we'll quickly go through them as a close. Number one, we can be thankful that Jesus overcame the tomb, and He's alive. Jesus overcame the tomb, and He's alive today, and that's why we can celebrate. That's why we know that He is who He says He is. He is the child. He's the Son of God. He's the living King. He's the King of glory. We celebrate because He is alive, and He broke out of the tomb on that Sunday. The second thing that we can give thanks for is that God wants us to live in joy and thanksgiving. It says in the Bible, in 1 Thessalonians, in the scripture that we just read, that this is not just something that you do. No, 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 this is not something that you try. No, 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 this is something that God wills for you. God wants it to happen for you. For those of you who belong to Jesus, God wants you to always be joyful, never stop praying, to always give thanks in all circumstances. We can be thankful because we have a God who loves us so much and is so powerful that we can be joyful and thankful in all circumstances. And the third thing that we can be thankful for is this, <laughs> that we have eternal life because we belong to Jesus. Now remember the words of Jesus that He said, 
Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. So when you belong to Jesus, when you believe in Him, you will never, ever die. For those of us who belong to Jesus, that eternal life is ours. Something to be thankful for in this season. Amen. Friends, on this Easter Sunday, at the end of this message, I want to pray for all of us. And I'm going to make a generic prayer because I don't know your circumstances. But you know what? You know what your circumstances are. You know what your need is. And we have a lot of online hosts right now on the platforms with you. And if you would just type, I need prayer. I need prayer in that comments. One of our online hosts is looking out for you and they will love to connect with you and to pray with you in your specific area of need. Would you do that for me right now, friends, so that we can reach out and pray with you and ask that the power of God that overcome the grave and the tomb will live in you and will change and turn it around for you. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you are real. We want to thank you that you broke out of that grave on that very faithful, eventful Sunday morning. We want to thank you that you are who you say you are to be. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that same life that broke you out of the tomb lives in us who belong to you. That same power that turned it all around. You could turn the tomb into a testimony. You could turn terrified people into testifying people. You turn it around for them. You turn it around for the world and you can turn it around for us. Jesus, would you just come and move in our hearts. And for those of us who have never prayed to receive Jesus in your life, if you have never believed in Jesus, you have to make that prayer right now to get the life into you, to get God into your life. And here's a very simple prayer that I want you to make after me. Just pray this in your heart or under your breath. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I accept you into my life. I know that I cannot do this all by myself. I have tried, but it's all falling apart. I need you. I recognize that I have failed. I have sinned and I'm not good enough to save myself. I need you to save me. And today I accept you as the Lord of my life. I put my trust in you. I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you rose from the dead and I want to be yours. May you live in me today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Now, if you've just made that prayer, congratulations. That's the biggest decision that you can ever make in your life. And I'm so glad for you. But here's one more thing I would like you to do. Get somebody to come alongside you and pray with you in that decision you just made. Now, our online hosts are right now waiting for you. If you would just raise a hand or type in there, I made that prayer. I made that prayer. And they're going to come to you and they're going to pray with you to teach you how to live that new life in Jesus. The life of hope, the life of peace, the life of joy, the life of victory. And we would love to do that for you. Would you just do that right now on the platforms that you're watching at? Church, it's been so good celebrating Easter Sunday with you. And I'm so privileged to share this message with you. May God bless you as we continue to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to invite Pastor Dave to come and lead us in a celebration song about the Lord Jesus Christ, who has risen from the grave and is alive today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.